Let's go ahead and take our Bibles here this morning. We're going to turn to the book of Colossians to begin with here this morning as we consider the subject of charity here today. Again, I, again, I don't know that, again, the subject of charity is possibly taught on maybe enough because of its nature, but I'd like to, again, just today, this morning, uh, consider some thoughts on the subject of charity. Charity is the most preeminent of Christian graces. It is the most preeminent of Christian graces. It's like Jesus. He's the most preeminent of persons. This is the most preeminent of Christian graces. And so I'd like to consider some thoughts on the preeminence of charity this morning or the preeminent nature of charity. So let's begin here in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we'll look at Colossians, and then we're going to go over to 1 Corinthians. But uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12. And Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, writes here, he says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Put on charity, it says there in verse number 12. Verse 14, and above all things, put on charity. This is the bond of perfectness. And so this morning, I like to look at this thought of the preeminent nature of charity. As we do again, let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you again for the love of God. Thank you again for the love that's expressed in the Bible. Thank you again for the love that we can share with other people. And again, as we consider this thought about love or charity here today, I pray you'd help us to understand, at least in part, uh, some thoughts about it, some things about it that be helpful to us. Help us, Lord, to express this charity that we're given opportunity to express. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I just want to mention here before we turn over to 1 Corinthians, it says here in verse number 12, put on, therefore, and mentions all these things here. The last thing, verse uh, 14 says, put on charity. It's something that needs to be put on, just like a garment needs to be put on, just like Again, we can put things on or we can put things off. This morning I put on this suit. I thought about putting on a red shirt today. But I'm really not a red guy in red shirt thing. And I didn't have a red tie to go with my red shirt. And so I didn't put on my red shirt today. But I could have put on a red shirt. But guess what I have on? I got a blue shirt on. I put on a blue shirt today. You know, we can put on different garments. We can put on different things. And we can put on different elements in the Christian life, or we can put on elements of the flesh in the Christian life. We can put on hatred, for instance. I can put on hatred today. I could go out and hate someone today. I, someone says, how could you do that? I could express that in different ways. I could put on hatred today. I didn't put on hatred today. You're glad for that. I'm sure most people are glad for that. But I didn't put on hatred today. I tried to put on charity this morning. I, I tried to put on some graces this morning. It mentions different things that we can put on there. It says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have quarrel against 
even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. And above all these things, which are mentioned here before, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And so, again, there are a lot of different things we could put on today. And I mentioned some things we could put on today. But above all these things, put on charity. Put on charity. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How can I put on charity if I don't even know what charity is? The world defines love and defines charity in different kinds of terms. And someone might say this is what love is and this is what love isn't. But again, it's good for us to see the Bible defines charity here. Uh, again, as it defines many different things in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we'll look at this in more detail as we get on with the message here today. It speaks of the subject of, the, of charity, but it also, again, points out that charity is the greatest of Christian graces. And that's something I need you guys and everyone to take home with them today. It's the greatest of Christian graces. Let's read through the first 13 verses here. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, I'm become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, this is the defining of it, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly, it seeketh not her own, it is not easily provoked, it thinketh no evil, it rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether it be prophecies, they shall fail, whether it be tongues, they shall see, whether it be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I also am known. And now abide in faith. Hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Verse 13, the greatest of these is charity. Amongst the graces of the Bible, the greatest is charity. Faith isn't the greatest, and hope isn't the greatest, but charity is the greatest. You know, often we wonder what we should focus on. I think what we should focus on, as the Bible tells us to in Colossians, is to put on this thing of charity. Above all things, put on charity. The greatest of these things is charity. It's quite obvious in the Bible that charity is preeminent. You know, charity, I believe, again, can be defined as God. God is love. The Bible defines God as love. If we knew God and we understood God, we would understand what love is about. But I just want to consider some thoughts on charity here this morning. As again, it's very important 
in Christian ministry. Keep your marker here. We'll be back here in just a moment here. I'd like you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I just want to, again, promote and uh, try to, again, encourage you to understand how important charity is. And some of us think it's maybe something, you know, we, it'd be good to have, but, you know, it's not really that essential. It's not that important. It's better to be dutiful than have charity. And someone might argue that way. You know, duty before charity, or charity would be under duty. 1 Timothy chapter 1 here, and verse number 5, it says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. See, charity is regulated not just by what you might think. But it's actually regulated here by a few things. It means the end of charity is out of a pure heart. It comes from a pure heart. It comes from a good conscience. It comes from a faith on faith or a sincere faith or genuine faith. That's where charity can come from or come out of. As we think about charity, again, let's look at some thoughts on charity. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 13, as we call this the charity or love chapter of the Bible often. And again, as we consider here this morning, again, I want us to understand that without charity, really what we do is negated. It's negated to a large degree. In fact, look at verse number one. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Now, all of us have the ability to communicate. And we have the ability to communicate in, in different ways. We can be rather loud or we can be rather soft. I think both these things are indicated in this passage of Scripture. It says there, Though we speak with a, man, a tongue of men and angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass, which is loud, or of a tinkling cymbal. That's all, I, all my speech is. It's but sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Now, sounding brass is actually a good thing, but let's turn over to Psalm chapter 150. We'll be back here in just a little bit here. Psalm 150, the sound of brass, or the sound of, again, music is, is a good thing. And uh, anybody who, uh, again, uh, has an appreciation for music, again, understands how, how good music really is. Um, it talks about here and. Psalm 150, verse number 4 and verse number 5, it says, Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And so our praise should be given to God. It mentions there with, again, loud symbols. Praise him with loud symbols. Praise him with high-sounding symbols. There's nothing wrong with a loud-sounding symbol, but that loud-sounding symbol and that loud-sounding symbol or that tinkling symbol should be accompanied with charity. Let's turn it back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Without charity, that's the problem there. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, 
There needs to be a charity that accompanies the sound that we speak, the communication that we have, the talk that comes from our voice, the words that we say. Otherwise, I believe our, our words can just be sounding brass. How long would you like to listen to something that's loud? I don't appreciate things that are loud very long. And really, I don't appreciate things that are monotonous, like a tinkling cymbal, or maybe a quiet kind of a cymbal. Bigger, louder, brash sounds are not something that we want to hear, but again, something said with the spirit of charity, along with sounding brass, is a pleasant sound to the Lord, as praise is. Praise, directed with charity, with brass to God, is a wonderful thing, but without charity... It's missing some of its point. In fact, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Just back up here. We're right near here. Let's read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. It says, Now as touching things offered to idols, we know that we, are, we, ha- we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeteth up, but charity edifieth. Charity edifieth edify charity builds and so with charity accompanied with the right voice it can build something but charity having just knowledge or having again words to say without words i mean charity without word and, and just words to say it's just a noise i believe annoying some type noise at time a parent again speaking to his children without charity or a parent speaking again to his wife without charity or Again, someone speaking to someone else, with a friend without charities, but noise, or a tinkling cymbal, as it mentions here. Read on there, it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. Someone says in verse number two, sounds like you have a lot. I mean, doesn't that sound like you have the gift of prophecy? That's a lot. You can preach. You have the gift to prophesy, foretell, or foretell. And you understand all mystery. That sounds like a lot. I mean, all the mysteries. Can you imagine having all the mysteries kind of figured out? I mean, the mysteries of God, the mysteries of the church, the mysteries of Christ, the mystery of faith. And then you have all knowledge. You got all this stuff that says, and though I have all faith. I mean, you're talking about the faith to be able to say, to the mountain be removed? I mean, that sounds like he got a whole bunch, doesn't it, there? It does. And then it says, I have not charity, I have nothing. I mean, look at the words all, all over in that verse. All knowledge, all faith, understanding, all mysteries, understanding, having gifts, having all this stuff, so to speak, having all this, uh, what, what we might call, you know, this person is full of what we should have. But yet, it says, I'm nothing. Paul would be nothing if he had the gift of prophecy. Paul would be nothing even if he understood all mystery. I would be nothing even if I had all knowledge. I would be nothing if I had all faith. I would be, you would be, everyone would be as nothing if there's not charity. Doesn't that almost... Scream that you must have charity. I must have charity. I must not go out without charity. I must put on charity. I must live by charity. I must talk with charity. 
I must use whatever gifts I have with charity. I must use whatever knowledge I have with charity, whatever prophecy I have with charity, whatever faith I have that needs to be coupled with charity. It's, it sounds like it's really important there. Read on there. It says in verse 3, And though I bestow all goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Verse 2, it says, I am nothing. Verse 3 says, it profiteth me nothing. You know, one could sacrifice one's body out of duty. It's very easy to do, I believe. Soldier would often do that, I believe. Soldier would often do that for his country out of duty, they would sacrifice their body. You know, a Christian can sacrifice his body or her body out of duty. It's, I, I think it's rather easy to do. Character leads to duty, and duty is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. But it needs to be coupled with charity. Someone could give away a lot, as it mentions there, verse number one. And though I give all my goods to feed the poor. Here we use the word all again, right? All's popping up quite a bit here in the Bible. All. I take all the stuff I have to feed the poor. I take everything I have and I give it to the poor. Someone says, that's got to be love. No, you can do that without love. People sometimes do that because of religion. People might do that because maybe they think that's just the right thing to do. I'm just going to give all my stuff to the poor. The poor needs it. I don't need it. And it mentions there you can give to the poor and you can give your body. You can give your goods to the poor. You can give your body be burned and not have charity. Someone could have extreme loyalty, but not charity. Someone could be, again, one motivated by duty, but not have charity. And in the end, how much does it profit you or I if I have maybe great loyalty or I always follow duty? If it's not coupled with charity, what does it say there? It profits me nothing. Some might think, you know, Paul was duty-driven. He was loyalty-driven. But really, he was love-driven. He was charity-driven. No one would go through the things Paul did without charity. He wouldn't have been able to do it. I mean, duty would have took him so long. His character would only carry him so long. Give your body to be burned. Think of the martyrs down to the dark ages that were burned at the stake. But yet at the same time, you can sacrifice to God and it can equate to nothing. You can sacrifice to the church and it can equate to nothing. You can give your body to the most needful of poor people and it could profit nothing. You could give your body to be burned, maybe trying to save the life of somebody else, maybe as a firefighter. And it could equate to nothing for you. I'm not saying there's no value in any of those things, but they should be coupled with charity. Let's turn forward here, 1 Corinthians 13. Keep your marker here, 1 Corinthians 16, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Verse number 14, how important is charity? Notice the word all here. It's used here. And it's good for us to see here. As we've seen it in 1 Corinthians also. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 14, it says, Let all your things be done with charity. Let all your things be done with charity. I wonder 
how much of last week's life was done with charity. Not just today, not Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, whatever it might be, but how many things last week were done with charity? How many things last month were done with charity? How many things last year were done with charity? How many things do we do in life coupled with charity? Let all things be done with charity. That's a good verse in the Bible. Maybe that's a verse. Maybe that should be your, your life's verse. Let all things be done with charity. But what is charity? Let's go back to our text there. You know, a person can give their body to be burned, and we could value, again, them giving up their body to be, bur be burned, but it will profit that person really nothing. One again could give away their possessions, their things, their properties, all that they've gathered in life. Maybe they've gathered up a fortune in life and they decide to end their life. I'm going to give it all away and it's going to profit me a whole bunch. But it isn't. We see here charity. Charity is important because charity does what? Well, let's go to turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. What does charity do? Maybe we forget what it does. What does charity do? What does charity do? In verse number uh, one, it says, um, now as touching things after the aisles, we know that we all are, have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. What does knowledge do? It puffs up. Makes people proud. How many proud professors do you know? How many people that hold, know a whole bunch of stuff, how puffed up can they become? They can become very puffed up. Anyone can be puffed up by what? Knowledge. What does knowledge do? It puffs up. It's normal for it to puff up. That means it, it puts pride in a person. But what does charity do? Charity, it says here, it edifies. What does it do? It edifies. It edifies. It builds. What does charity do? It builds. So what is more profitable? Having knowledge that puffs you up or could puff me up? I'm not saying knowledge is bad. Couple of charity is good. But by itself, it can puff up. So why does the Bible say, humble yourself in the sight of God? Humble yourself in the sight of God, because you could and I could become puffed up by knowledge. But charity edifies, it builds. And so, as again, we consider some thoughts on charity today. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to look at the meaning of charity. We've seen the must of charity. It's a mandate. It's needful. It's helpful. It's essential in ministry. We see that by the verses that, uh, again, are before us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But also we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 the defining of charity. And I just like to look at it here a little bit. Again, we could spend a lot more time on this, but we uh, just, you know, I'm only going to give so much time to it this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. The marks of charity or the meaning of charity are defined here. Verse 4, it says, charity suffereth long and is kind. It suffers long and is kind. I'm going to go on. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It's not easy to provoke. It thinketh no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It beareth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things and endureth all things. So we'll just stop there. That's basically the definition of charity. How is Webster's 1828 dictionary define charity? It defines them along these lines. 
In a general sense, according to 1828 Webster Dictionary, it is love, it is benevolence, it is goodwill. It is the disposition of heart which inclines men to think favorably on their fellow man and to do goodwill. Again, as I look at it, a theological sense, it is a supreme love. It is a perfect kind of love. It is a dispossession of heart that manifests itself in goodwill towards men. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10. I, I like this verse in Acts chapter 10 because it defines Jesus to some extent as far as what he did. What did Jesus do and what was he about? I mean, if you think about somebody's life, again, sometimes a few words might define them. And I believe again here in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 38, Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, it defines what Jesus was about when he was here in this world. Acts 10, 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I have underlined the middle part of verse number 38, these words, who went about doing good. Simply, he was someone who did good by God. Good according to the word of God. Good defined by the terminologies of God. And so when I think of charity, it is supreme goodness. It is doing good to your fellow man. It's doing good to your family. It's good doing good to your neighbor. It's a, a going about doing good. But let's turn back to our text here, 1 Corinthians 13. We don't have to uh, end up with theological terms or Webster-type terms. We can just go to the Bible and see how, again, it's defined here in the Bible. And it's defined by several words here in the Bible as it mentions what charity is. It mentions there, verse number four, charity suffereth long. And so charity, if you're going to define it, has to be very long-suffering. By being long-suffering is putting up with maybe bad behavior. It's slow to anger when abused or misused. It suffers long. It doth suffer. Jesus suffered. Long-suffering is marked by much patience, much long-suffering. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, it says in the book of Peter. Again, with much long-suffering, God waited to judge the world when he could have judged it certainly earlier in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 20. God's long-sufferings and patience lasted some 120 years before he destroyed this world. To me, that's six generations. That's a long time, isn't it? 120 years, about six generations, as I define it. may not as the Bible defines it, but I say 20 years, and another 20 years, another 20 years, another 20 years, you can see as generations. But 120 years, God suffered long with the people that were wicked and thought evil continually. And so we see in the Bible, charity is marked by long-suffering. The Bible even teaches, again, preachers to preach the word of God with all long-suffering in 2 Peter there. I mean, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 2, if you're taking notes there. Jesus takes notice of whether there is long-suffering or patience in us. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse number 19. God wants 
to see long-suffering with us. That means putting up with things maybe you wouldn't want to put up with. I mean, think about our average marriage, a long-lasting marriage. There's going to need some putting out, some putting up with some things. There's going to be times, again, maybe where someone said something that they shouldn't say, but there's going to be forbearance, there's going to be forgiveness, there's going to be much long-suffering there. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 19, it says, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works. And the last is more than the first. So this Thyatira church, there's mentions there, they have charity. I know thy charity, service, faith, patience. These are all Christian graces, thy works. They're all Christian graces, but points out here, again, this thing of, Charity. I know that charity. I know that long suffering. I know that patience. I know that faith. Thy faith is one of patience. And so, let's turn back to our text there. Charity is long suffering. Charity is patient. Don't say, I mean, we shouldn't say. It's wrong to say that we are, again, charitable and do not have long suffering or patience. Secondly, it's defined here. Again, I think this is the best way that I can think of defining charity as I think of it many times. It just simply, charity suffers long and is kind. Kind's an easy word. Kind's an easy word for us to understand. Kindness is something, again, any of us can manifest. It's defined here by kindness. Kindness is doing things to be a blessing to other people. It's doing things courteously to other people. It's doing things thinking uh, sensitivity uh, towards other people or in a bountiful and blessed way towards other people. It's thinking about other people as we deal with them. We deal with them with Christian kindness or as God speaks of in his word of loving kindness. It's God's goodness. It's graciousness. It's all those things when you think about being kind. But we go on here in verse number four. It mentions it also, it envieth not. It envieth not. The marks of love or charity are marked by not envying someone else. We can look at the case of Rachel envying her sister because she had no children. She envied her sister because she had no children. Let's turn to Acts chapter 7. Joseph's brothers envied Joseph because he had a special kind of love that was directed to him by his father. And so they envied. And again, envy cannot be in the same place as we find charity. Because charity, the Bible says there, it envieth not. Acts chapter 7 here, verse number 9 the Bible says, and the patriarchs moved with envy and sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with them. They moved with envy. What was in their heart? Was there charity there? No. Envy was there. Envy or jealousy in Joseph's brothers surely showed their lack of charity. The lack of charity allowed them to take their brother, throw him in a pit, and have him sold into slavery. There was no charity there. What was in their hearts? It was envy. And we can have envy in our hearts. Just like we see in the Old Testament, Saul had envy or jealousy in his heart. And he hated David. 
because of what David did or who David was. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You be careful that envy doesn't displace charity in our heart. It also mentions here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 something else that excludes. It says there, envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, but, and is not puffed up. It vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. Remember, knowledge puffs up, but where there's charity, uh, it's not there. And so we see in the Bible, it excludes not only envy, it excludes pride or being uh, big-headed or uh, boastful, haunty, all those kind of things. And someone says, well, how can someone have charity? Well, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. They can't have pride. They must have what then? What, what would be the opposite of pride? Well, let's just look here. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. What must someone have in their heart to truly have charity there? They cannot have pride. They cannot be big-headed. They cannot be boastful. They cannot be puffed up. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. And so what must someone have if they have charity instead of pride? They must have humility. They must have meekness. They must have a lowliness of mind. They must esteem others better than themselves. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13, the defining marks of charity. It's long-suffering and patient. It's kind and gentle. It's without envy. It's without pride. And it's without selfishness. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It seeketh not her own. Most people seek their own. In fact, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Paul says here in Philippians chapter 2, it's natural for us to seek our own. So when someone gets up and says in the morning, what am I going to do this day? They put off their selfishness and they put on humility. And they, again, disregard envy. And they decide that they're going to live for someone other than their own self. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 21, it says, but all seek their own, not the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. All seek their own. You know, naturally we seek our own. Not the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it excludes selfishness. It excludes thinking really of our own or what's needful for us. Notice in verse number four, same chapter, it says, Look not every one on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And so, yes, look at your own life, but look at other people's life, and then consider what you're going to do, and you can act in charity. To be selfish is just to think, hey, I wonder what I'm going to do today. Well, yeah, I, I, I wonder what I'm going to do today, but is it coupled with what I'm going to do with others today, or for others today? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many people live a very selfish life, a proud life, an envious life, or all those kind of things. And so we see here in the Bible that defines, again, charity not being close companions of any of these. In fact, it says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it read, we read also, it says, 
it says, it doth not behave itself unseemly, it seeketh not our own, it's not easy to pull, it thinketh no evil. It excludes evil. You know what evil is? Is an idea to hurt someone or harm someone. It's not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. Charity is not, again, thinking evil towards someone else. I, I hope this will happen to somebody. You know what we're doing? We've just displaced charity. It's gone. It thinketh no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity. Look at verse number 6. It says it rejoices not in iniquity. But it rejoices in the truth. So charity, someone who has charity in heart, uh, will rejoice in the truth. Rejoice in things that are not sinful or wicked or wrong. You know, someone says, love one. When two people, male and male and female and female, were able to so-called get married. Love didn't win. Love didn't win. I know someone who said love won that day. But love didn't win that day. It rejoices in iniquity. It's sinful. It should rejoice in truth, purity, and charity. Again, someone can't just say, well, love is just, just loving everything and everybody and anything. I get what you're saying to some degree. But let's move on. We need to. Verse number 7, it says, it rejoices in, not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It's good to see things that are truthful come to pass. And charity will rejoice in those things. It says there in verse number 7, it says, it beareth all things. It beareth all things. The life of Joseph is one that bared many things. The life of Jesus is one that bared many things. The life of Stephen before he died was a life of forbearance. He forbeared many things. Christian charity is the ability to forbear, refrain, tolerate the missteps, the mistakes, the decisions that other people may give to you. Christ manifested great forbearance, forgiveness towards the lost, towards those that are saved. It beareth all things. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, it says in Galatians. It beareth all things. It's able to bear things. And then it goes on and says it believeth all things. And that's needful for us to see with charity too. It not only beareth all things, so able to bear a lot of things, it believeth all things. Charity, again, is, is able to believe. Is able to believe. It's teachable. It's willing to believe what God says is true. God says something that settles it. To God, things are true, correct, excellent, whatever they might be. And, and for charity, it couples itself with these things. But not only does it believe things and bear things, it hopeth all things. Again, the word all is used a lot in this chapter of, in the Bible. It hopeth all things and endureth all things, but it hopeth all things. Hope is closely related to maybe being positive in some degree to outlook. 
The hope of grace is the hope of heaven. The hope of grace is a hope of a better day. To exercise hope and to think that God can overcome different things is to believe all things, to hope all things. Let's turn to Hebrews there, if you would. Hebrews, hope all things. Hope maybe in something that maybe, you know, it just doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem probable. It doesn't seem possible. But you see here that kind of hope expressed in Abraham here. In uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's just read through a little bit about Abraham. The hope that he had. He had a hope for things that hadn't occurred yet. But he hoped these things. In verse number 8 it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called of God to go out to a place that he should afterward receive his inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looketh for a city which hath foundation, whose builder is maker is God. Through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful that promise. She hoped in a child. They hoped in a child. They hoped in children. They moved to a place so that they might have children. Did they struggle with this hope? Yes, they did. But yet it says in verse 12, Therefore sprang there even one as him, as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, as the sand of the sea is innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. They hoped they were persuaded of them. They were embraced those things. For they say such things plainly uh, declare a country that is, uh, they seek a country and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence it came out, they might have opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly, where if God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And so they hope for a country. They hope for children. They hope for heaven. But also, you see, Abraham hoped that he could sacrifice his own son, that his son would still live. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. He that had been received the promise offered him as his only begotten son, and whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence he also received him in figure. He hoped in a resurrection. He hoped that if he slayed his son, that his son could live again. Hope is a part of charity. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 7. Marks of charity, the meaning of charity, the things that accompany charity, the things that do not accompany charity, are defined here in 1 Corinthians 13. But it mentions here, uh, verse number 7, it says, It endureth all things. It endures all things. It's an enduring thing. It's not a stop thing. It's a continuous thing. Charity endures. It endures hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It endures affliction. It endures temptations. It endures tribulation. It endures persecution. 
endures anything that you can think of, endures how many different things? All things. All things. Paul said, For I endure all things for the lack's sake, that they may obtain salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 13, tells us how important charity is. It's defined here for us. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three. The greatest of these is charity. You know, people can talk about their speaking ability. They can talk about their talents. They can talk about their sacrifices. They can talk about their knowledge they can talk about their service. They can talk about their giving. They can talk about their sacrifice. But we should be seeking charity. Let all our things be done with charity. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14. Your work be done with charity. Your parenting be done with charity. Your Christian service be done with charity. Your treatment of your brothers or sisters with charity. Your treatment of your boyfriend, girlfriend, if you had such a thing, with charity. The treatment of your husband and wife with charity. Your, char your, your charity should mark you and me in our ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says it's the greatest. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Let me ask you this. Did you put it on today? Do you put it on every day? Do you put it on as a regular thing that you put on? Just like you put on clothes every day. I don't know that there's anybody that I know of that doesn't put on clothes every day. But do you put on this Christian character of charity? It says there in Colossians chapter 3, there, verse number 12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. How do I put on this charity? Well, we turn back to Colossians chapter 3. You, you look at these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you try to, again, manifest these things in your life. Although the world may not manifest charity, Christians are to put on charity. And it tells us what charity does. Verse number four, charity suffereth long. So just be long-suffering. Let me encourage you to be long-suffering. Charity is kind. Let me encourage you to be a Christian known for their kindness or a person known for their kindness. Charity envieth not. Don't be a person that envies other people. Again, be in, don't be in a place where you're puffed up. Be humble. Verse number five, it says, does not behave itself unseemly. Again, it thinks of other people. It's, again, not selfish. It's not easily provoked, and so don't be easily provoked or don't get easily angered or easily frustrated. Don't think on evil. That's not charity. Rejoice is not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. If you're going to rejoice, rejoice in those things that are true, those things that are right, those things that are good. As, again, Philippians talks about, it beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, it shall be done away. Verse number 13, And now abideth faith, 
hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And so let me encourage you to put on charity. It's defined here for us. And so let us do our labor. Let us do our sacrifice. Let's do our speaking. Let's do all we can do with charity. Let's close as we consider the word of God here this morning.